Hello everyone, welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a graduate student in education, and with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. Branding is a concept that has gradually grown increasingly complex over time. While first referring to marking livestock with a hot iron, the term has expanded to corporate symbolism and now to something even more, the values, beliefs, and characteristics of any number of entities, including people themselves. We'll examine the topic using our signature brand of informal banter. <laughs> All right, so this is an extension. It's going to be kind of an extension of our previous talk on symbolism because um, yes. branding, I mean, really, if, if you look at symbolism as being a Lego, branding is the castle or the race car that you build out of it, right? There's, you know, a brand is made up of numerous types of symbols that kind of um, cross sensory boundaries. You know, you're going to have lingual um, aspects, visual aspects, um, auditory jingles. You, you have a lot of things that go into modern <laughs> branding. But before we get into all that, maybe we should give sort of a, a history or a timeline of of what a brand is, what constitutes a, a brand. Well, you started with the, the marking of the, the cattle, so to speak. Um, we own this. This is this is our thing, um, and I, I don't know. I, I think it would be probably anthropologically, people have tagged maybe when that first began, but it strikes me that that's probably a very ancient thing, mm -hmm. marking this because it's mine. There, there's an owning kind of thing, but but the branding of the kind that we're talking about now. Uh, I think formally, we're talking from the 1950s onward, really from the from the the explosion of the advertisement culture. I mean, the advertisement existed long before that, mm -hmm. uh, but I think the amount of money placed into it and the um, the the willful need to manipulate um, probably emerged around that time, right. Yeah, so I mentioned in the intro that, um, you know, it started out with simply branding and it's grown more complex. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And really, you know, it, it, it's almost sort of changed um, the role, right? Because branding started out, you were putting your mark on something to claim ownership. Yep. Now, really, you're taking a set of attributes and trying to attribute it to yourself or to your company or to something you're else. You're trying to own a code of ethics. You're trying to own um, an ambient zeitgeisty, gestalty, unpinnable thing and saying, this is us. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody does this better than colleges. Mm -hmm. to me, and to me, and I'm going to go there because of the experience, yeah. right? Colleges will spend thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to brand themselves. In my experience, branding didn't become a conversation piece within a collegiate environment until the early 90s when money was expended to uh, go through process of uh, changing the logo which then changed again um, for the particular place that I worked for. But, uh, and, and the interesting thing is that uh, if you look at the, uh, and you have with the, the material on, on branding, among other things, is about selling, there's capitalism, a story <laughs> through a symbol. And that's only one of the things we talk about today. But, so, but if you look at colleges, mission statements every one of them has the word success two three ten fifteen times excellence mm -hmm. the, the the same thing so we all claim to give you success we all claim to give you excellence and maybe we all strive to give you excellence but there's there's an attempt to brand that which is not brandable well, one college has this logo and says, well, we're giving you, well, if we're giving you excellence over here and we're giving you excellence over here and, and exceeding expectations and so on. Well, okay, what does that mean about the expectations? What are you assuming about them in the first place? And it becomes, uh, uh, branding becomes a kind of smoke and mirrors, um, hocus pocus 
uh, making you think that you've seen something or heard something that you haven't. I'm, I'm going to go specific things. Subaru. Right, yeah. All right. Uh, love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. What the actual? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, and the, like you said, the smoke and mirrors part is really big, especially, I mean, Subaru is a big one, right? Because Subaru, if you didn't know any better, you'd assume Subaru was like an Australian car maker. <laughs> you know, you have the Outback, you're driving through the desert. It's made in Japan. It's made in Japan. So, um, so there's some, uh, so a little bit of misleading there. And college is a big one. Colleges expend a lot of money making their campuses look old because <laughs> there's a, a subconscious um association with um that that age of an institution giving it credibility giving it something so there's you know there's schools that there were started in the 70s or 80s or 90s and they build them out of brick and they grow ivy up the side of them mm -hmm. so that they look prestigious mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though they haven't been around since the 1600s, like Harvard, they haven't been, you know, it's not Oxford or Cambridge or something, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> just a private school that's trying to establish credibility um, through these symbols, you know. There's an institution that I know of that, that decided that the very most important symbol was the parking lot. Because yes. the parking lot is the place that you first encounter. And so the parking lot had to look like <laughs> there'd been trees growing there forever. No, these trees were shipped in, put in the ground, and and cultivated, and 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 and. and so yeah, it's what it's. Look over here. Look at this. Never mind that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or we're doing this, but we're doing it differently than everybody else. Oh, how are you excellent differently than others? You know? Right. Yeah. And that. And that. I, that's a fascinating brand philosophy. The parking lot as a as the primary symbol for a, a institution of higher education but yeah and so like you said it's an amorphous sort of thing so you're saying excellence and success but for different institutions in different parts of the country it can mean different things so if you're yeah. down south excellence and, and success might mean having the most winning football team yeah you know as opposed to anything to do with academics mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas you know, if you're at a research institution, you might be publishing so many papers. Or if you're at an in a technology institution, it might be patenting so many yes. things. You know, yes, so success and excellence, like you said, every single institution is is promoting success and excellence. But what that means for their specific context can vary. You know, in just to a an extreme degree. Um, that's where the principles thing comes in because we we have a, a mission statement, and then you have a you know, SUNY is, is, is one of those that uh, I, I, here's my old fashioned, you know, love the King Arthur stuff, right? SUNY, when I, when I started with them, had this uh, shield and it said, let each become all he is capable of being. And I was in. <laughs> I thought, yes. I mean, it had he rather than they. It could have been changed, right? But over the course of years, that became no longer a mission. That just was, in fact, there were administrators who said, well, that's not a mission statement. That's, that's a slogan. Uh, we have to have a five-page mission statement. <laughs> we have to have two committees working on it. It whatever. has to be specific and measurable. Right. And bulleted items about what this means. Here are our principles. This is, uh, well, but... You know, often those go to that too. So I'm, I'm not being cynical about this, but I, but I, too much. But I, <laughs> but I think that that's part of the nature of branding. You so want to rush to make yourself different than everybody else, and then you end up being the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's look at um a bit of the essence of branding a little bit more. Um, what what do you think are what is the the basis of of branding? Is it it's based in symbolism? Yes, right. Yeah, um, and you know, do you want to you want to expound on the connection to that a little bit, or do you think we've kind of covered it for the most part? Well, I, I I just think it's it's good that you you brought it up to remind us. I mean, um, because the symbolism part is supposed to be, it's intended to be, what distinguishes us from everyone else, and that's why branding specialists will say your uh, visual symbol must uh, imply they say tell a story but I, I don't see many symbols telling a story they imply or allude to 
stories. We talked about the Exxon Mobil, you know, Pegasus mm-hmm. as an example, or the Nike on, or Nike um, Lightning Bolt, <laughs> um, implying swiftness. Uh, but I don't see that happening in symbols all across. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I feel like saying saying that your symbol should tell a story is it's almost counterintuitive to me. I feel like symbols are in branding symbols. It, the majority of them are are very simplistic. They're trying to give you the very bare minimum that's needed in order to inspire a certain pattern of thoughts or feelings towards a product. Yeah. Um, supposed to be making... See, I sat through all this uh, rather extensive workshop with branding uh, experts as part of this whole previous life process anyway. And they were emphasizing this. And of course, being a story person, a narrative person, a literature person, I... I, I, I in conversation, bring that what you just brought up. That this is, and there. Oh no, we're we're suggesting so you, you make the story. It just will be the right story about the place that you make because we've given you the right suggestions. <laughs> ah, so, <laughs> so so I can't make up my own story with these parts. I'm supposed to be able. To, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like um, it's almost like writing a pop song, right? Because it's like, all right, you want it to be catchy and get stuck in people's heads. So, yeah, you can write whatever song you want, but you have to use these certain chords, these certain melodies, these certain rhythms in order to make it catchy. Um, and so, and I mean that, and but that does vary from from brand to brand, right? So, if you have um, something like a co- something that's supposed to be complex, maybe mm-hmm. like a college, maybe like a wine or a perfume or something, having a complex visual symbol might play out to you and you see some of these where they have shields and ribbons and banners and all these things and so you look at it and you're like wow i can't make out what's in this picture but it definitely looks elegant and complex you know whereas other brands it's like nike you got the swish you know what what that (laughs) you know you know what's being inspired by it so i I should say we're we're not bashing any particular company here yeah yeah right we're just (laughs) talking but the companies put these out there so we can talk about what is mcdonald's Mm -hmm. We, everyone says the golden arches, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what does that golden M really say? If it's a golden arch, what are we saying? You're going to heaven because you're eating the food? What's the story? I don't see a story. This is the, the problem I have with this. I'm, I'm sitting listening to experts saying there's a story implied here. No, even with Pegasus. Well, there, there's an allusion to a, a whole cluster of stories in which that, that animal character shows up. But which story are you telling? Or are you just trying to suggest characteristics? Mm-hmm. And that's not a storytelling. I th- and I think that that is more it, right? Because when I think of the golden arches, I think of French fries. <laughs> you know, there's there's that immediate primal connection. When I think of the Pegasus with gasoline, I'm thinking of, you know, performance. Not necessarily the stories or the deeper meanings. Which isn't to say that the branding and the marketing experts aren't thinking about those things they are i think every aspect oh my of gosh. branding and marketing uh, is thought out ahead of time font font the, uh, recently uh, just just a few years ago walmart and walgreen were having it out uh because of a closeness in font hmm. and and that battle cost uh, five or six million dollars because of a font choice and I was teaching this in my technical writing class. I was talking about this, and people say, oh, people don't pay attention to font. Well, apparently they do. Apparently there's a psychological association that we 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 pick it up. Oh, that's that company. That's not, We're not even necessarily seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so branding isn't just about uh, primarily what companies represent. It's more for us. Well, you and I are on the same page with this. It's, an association that we're somehow supposed to just immediately make mm-hmm. because of that visual. Well, Target, yeah, I felt that way sometimes. Uh, <laughs> the red and white, I mean, it's with a dot in the middle. Why is that appealing? I mean, what is it telling me? Is it telling me that I'm supposed to shoot for this kind of stuff? I, I you know, I walk into Target when I want to get something for Target, but it's not because I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and story. <laughs> there's no doubt that there's in innumerable amounts of psychological science behind it. Like there are people with with master's degrees and PhDs that spent hours in meetings 
fighting and and struggling and and with alternatives and all kinds of things and they decided that it would be an appealing thing and the success of the business um would seem to imply that they had some merits to it obviously there's no alternative timeline where we can test this hypothesis and see well if they had gone with a different strategy would it have been more successful Mm -hmm. um maybe you could do like a historical analysis of brands that have changed their their you know branding over time and see if that has any measure of success um which is still not purely scientific but you could could lend you some insights um but there's just very little doubt that branding is a, an extremely important thing, despite what appears on the surface to be the triviality of it, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, what, what does that mean? What, what is that telling us? It's, it's the importance of the symbolism, right? And, and question, and give us, I, I think partly for me, uh, and this goes to something else we've talked about before, but it gets us, some of us to be in the space of when you live a life questioning everything, <laughs> you're just going to question. All right, so so you you think about what is it that I own of this company, or what is it about this company that I want to own, or or why am I being drawn to this? Is this is this brand really? drawing me is it because i've had good experience with it or is it just because it's pretty or what what i think tesla uh, uh, i've always found that t fascinating so i looked it up and and i and i, I saved this here so so you if, if you picture tesla it, it looks like a letter t uh, but elon musk asked it to be designed to indicate a cross-section of an electric motor that represents a section of the stator and rotor that comprises one. Hmm. So there's a, and you look really closely, and there is a mechanistic, I'm showing Joel this, you can't see it on the, but a uh, uh, feel to it, hmm. a sharpness, uh, uh, a machine thing, not an organic thing. Well, when you're buying a Tesla, you're, you're, you're thinking, if you do uh, all kinds of things, but you partly you're thinking, how is this different from other cars? Well, it's electric. Well, what is it doing differently? Why is, and that symbol isn't telling a story, but that symbol suggesting something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fascinating. I mean, we can talk about all different aspects of it and, you know, for brands, it, it, it varies from brand to brand, what the important aspects of it are. And there are certain brands that make use of many of them. They have, not just the characteristics and attributes, um, but they also have a visual symbol. They have a jingle. They have yeah. um, all of these different things. Um, you, you know what a big one is for me? Like the Toyota. If you think about Toyota commercials, they have a two-note jingle. Dan, Dan, and yep. the commercials start Dan, and <laughs> two notes. But it will, you know, stick in your head. Yeah. And, you know, I know as, as a musician, those are things that, are very um they're examined under a microscope for sure jingle writing and again it's it's just like what we were talking about with the visual symbol symbolism <laughs> you're trying to find the simplest most direct way to convey a feeling that has numerous complex associations with mm-hmm. it <laughs> and to me that's that's the fascinating part of of the branding is the complex human psychology that goes behind it. So, oh, yes, yes. Wow, I, okay, I'm in two notes. I have to represent what this car company means and not just, you know, what the philosophy of the car building is, but what kind of messages we want to instill in people, all these different things in two notes, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's a, it's a I think of, of the windows a little ditty that it's it's more than two notes was like four or five Mm -hmm. when it comes you know you're in windows yeah yeah well there are all kinds of associations with the windows right yeah but but that that person who composed there must have been a process and the person who ended up composing that hit on something Mm -hmm. for that committee that that chose it yeah so I'll ask you 
this will probably be our first question of the episode. Normally, we don't get this far. <laughs> We've mostly just been discussing stuff, but I'm going to ask you a question, okay. and that is, do brands, are brands made by corporations, or do customers make brands? Ooh, what an interesting question. I think there is an interplay. Um, the companies generate logos they generate jingles they they generate uh text and, and so advertisements and so on so the companies build the brand but if people don't buy it then so what and they often they go to try to find a different we, we've got to rebrand ourselves what's interesting is people are rebrand companies are rebranding themselves more rapidly now than they used to i mean every few years some companies have a a, a new approach but if customers didn't you know the capitalism thing if customers didn't buy in then the brand has, has failed if customers become brand loyal <laughs> because somebody's done something right to sell them on so done the right things to, to sell them so i think customers in uh, invigorate or foundationalize the brand yeah, it's kind of an organic thing, yeah. right? Companies are planting the seed, um, but really customers are kind of the water and the sunlight and which direction that tree grows, the the companies don't have any control over. You know, that that part of it is customer um kind of kind of based if and you know, and it does come back to um whatever whatever quality it is that the the product has. So you know, if your Windows is crashing all the time, then those notes are going to annoy. Yeah, it's going to give you bad feelings, you know. And then you need rebranding. That's when you have to come up with a new jingle to go along with a new product. It's not enough to just rebrand and and mm -hmm. and keep the same hunk of garbage, or it'll just be a matter of time before there's the same associations. I think companies learn from the successes. I'm not an economist, I'm not a business person, so I'm talking through my philosophical hat. Hmm. Um, but I think there's there are social trends that I find um, sad in, in what they say about uh, at least some companies in the economy not valuing individuals. So you can go down th uh, through a, a devolution of a, of a kind where you have a village, and I didn't. I did not grow up in an idyllic situation, but it, it was a nice village in a number of ways. Um, and it, it had all kinds of mom and pop shops. You wanted clothes, you went to the shop. You wanted the TV, you went to that shop. It's like it was all there. Uh, then the box, so-called stores, began. But now we've got a devolution from the box stores. So. Think of the way that people talk about Target, Target, whatever. Okay, fine. But then we have Walmart and the Walmart Supercenter. But even that gets to be too expensive for some people. But now we got Dollar General. What are we going to have next? 50 cent universal? I mean, it's, people are not paid what they should be paid. And people will even defend companies not paying them what they should be paid because they don't want to lose the company. So because the brand becomes then a, a necessity. That's where I think it gets really vile. We've got to have this, this brand. But if we can't, well, well, we'll have this. And so once upon a time, a Dollar General would have been eschewed in most communities. And now it's a vital part because people don't have the resources to go out and get anything else because the economy is not helping people so the brand becomes the lifesaver right and so that brings up a really interesting um question right so brands are out to um represent a certain way but they, they don't have much control over it. why do you think it is that a, a brand like dollar general for instance so why do people associate they don't associate the the oppression or the um you know the the negative um the negative aspects that it takes on employees or um you know source sourced labor of products that sort of thing why don't those associations come to the forefront do you think it's purely because the company isn't representing them 
I think it's partly because the company's not represented them. I think it's also, uh, as you alluded to or directly said before, a, a complicated psychology. You people are, t- are uh, and this is not justifying it, but I think it's a descriptor. I think people are too worn out. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to own where these things are coming from. Uh, they get frustrated when you buy something and then it's broken a week and a half later. But that's somehow not the company's fault because after all, we know they're just giving us cheap stuff. Um, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but I think it's a, 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 an unwillingness, perhaps generated by, by poverty, uh, unfair economics and all the rest of it. It's an unwillingness or an incapacity to come to terms with what it really means. Just tell, and this is where I think is is the hypnotic, um, dulling nature of branding. Don't pay attention. Just just go through the. Just go here and get your stuff. You know you need your stuff. Don't be complicated about it. I think companies um, strokes that um, ambiance. But I think people often just don't want don't don't tell me about this. I don't want to hear about anybody else. Hmm. I just got to go do this because it's right there. It's right next door. Right. Yeah. Then um, you know, branding can definitely there's a quality um aspect to it, right? Hmm. So when you think Dollar General, you do think lower quality than Walmart. When you think Walmart, you think lower quality than Target or whatever. But that doesn't necessarily influence um. It influences people's buying behavior, but it doesn't necessarily discourage um, consumption from the the business altogether, right? No, no. So I've bought things from all three of those stores, yeah. right? Yeah. Even though, and they all um, they all source similar products. Yes. You know, <laughs> so having branding as a quality indicator is kind of interesting, and then even where that where that places you, right? So, you know. McDonald's serves food, so does, you know, insert high-end restaurant. Mm-hmm. But they're not competing against each other, even though they're both serving food. Food mm-hmm. is as general as their two demographics overlap. Beyond that, almost everything is is different. And so the branding um, will reflect that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. Let's um. So I'll ask you this: can, Do you think a brand can be stolen or hijacked? Then, if the company isn't in complete control of it, who oh, you just set me up so well. <laughs> uh, insert no, Joel is going to have to back me off if I <laughs> okay. Because I mentioned this at a different podcast, but I but I will keep it as generalized as possible because I think it's a legitimate thing. Do I think a brand can hijack or be hijacked? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I go back to the the quintessential symbol that anybody in any country goes to, which is a flag. A flag is supposed to represent an entire nation, but it can be hijacked uh, purposefully, or perhaps sometimes inadvertently, but uh, I think probably with uh, intent. If you believe in this, then you have to believe in that. Mm. You, uh, you don't get to interpret what that flag means. Ex-dominant culture will tell you what that flag means. Well, if you don't get to interpret a symbol, then it's no longer a symbol then it is a sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and then to the degree to which you get to somehow manipulate that symbol um, uh, way past what is considered formal, acceptable boundaries and established rules, then you have morphed that symbol into perhaps another symbol. <laughs> And people try to associate the two things, and that gets all messed up. Right. Yeah, I was reading um, a really interesting study that just came out where they were looking at flags and determining um, people's and attitudes and interpretations of them. Mm-hmm. And um, what they found 
was that the thin blue line flags the, are essentially an anti-Black Lives Matter flag. Yes. Which is fascinating because if you were to read the mission statements of these two organizations, they're not things that would be mutually exclusive, right? You mm-hmm. could you could mm-hmm. support police, and you could also support the fact that you know black policing can be done better. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you could support both of those positions, but because of the the branding of the two flags, they're seen as being in direct opposition to one another. Yeah, and the branding of those two flags was is not directly influenced by the movements that started them. So there's and. And this brings up an entirely other thing. A brand is not, um, there's no such thing as a brand necessarily because everybody's going to interpret a brand differently, right? Mm-hmm. And the two flags are a perfect example. You know, people who support the, the, the thin blue line flags have associate a certain characteristics and certain things with that brand, whereas people who support the Black Lives Matter movement interpret that same flag with almost antithetical attributes and vice versa. Um, So yeah, branding is, you know, we've been talking about it so far as like a, um, almost a concrete set of characteristics. um, But really it's, it's a very fluid thing. It's something that is up for interpretation. It is up for interpretation. And there are entities of companies or organizations, um, or elements of countries that will try to solidify what is fluid, and that's where I, I think there, there's a there's a real problematic aspect to that. If you say you own that symbol because that symbol stands for X, Y, and Z, and that's all it can stand for then you are inviting out anybody who might have made associations with that symbol. And so we'll back away from the flag for a moment. We just talk about a symbol for a company. If you're inviting me out, I'm not going to buy your product. Mm-hmm. If you want me to make associations of my own with that symbol for reasons, and I might not even be able to talk to my neighbor, but we both go and buy that same product, uh, then that's the fluidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's fascinating. And, and we're, again, I'll make a reference to modern events, even though we try not to, but we just had a presidential election. And that is that is the one thing I noticed this time around, as opposed to the, the past few times, is I don't think before this time I ever saw um, a, a flag promoting a candidate. Mm-hmm. And now you see them everywhere. They're almost as common as the signs you put in your yard or, yeah. or the bumper stickers. Yeah. Um, you see the flags, yeah. the flags flying. Do you think that, that that flag, right? What do you think that the, the flag itself has to say as opposed to the sign or the bumper sticker? Do you think that they all represent different messages, even if they're printed with the same image or text? I think that they... They do because of the weight of the rhetorical, the abundance of the rhetorical um, hammering that goes with it. Um, In the current um, situation, um, I have found great difficulties with the flag in the sense of it being used as it's being used because it is inviting out an entire half of the population. Mm. It is associating unvalues <laughs> or a set of values that um, I find difficult um, with a person. And that that's not what a flag is supposed to do. It's not supposed to be associated with a person. It's quite, quite the opposite. Um, but you know the, that, that this is this is a long conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a different we'll, one anyway. But I think that can be as a, just as a symbol, as if there's a just. But as a symbol, if it resonates with power, that power cannot, um, if in a healthy way, be located as a locus of one ideology. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that's really cool, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more. But before we move on. I just want to um, 
cover the more abstract mm-hmm. um, kind of conception of it. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm asking is, um, do you think that the medium themselves send different messages? So imagine you had a bumper sticker yeah. and a yard sign and a flag, and they all have the same image printed on them. Yeah. Do you think that they are sending different messages just based purely on the fact that it's vinyl slapped on the back of a car yeah. or vinyl in the yard or a nylon flag? Interesting. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, interesting. Um, because yeah. that's what I'm, that's what I want to sort of get at because like I said, this election, I've noticed Trump and Biden flags flying on houses. Yeah. And I've never, I don't recall ever seeing that in previous elections. The yard signs, the bumper stickers yeah, right. you see, but there's flags now. Yeah, yeah. What does the flag itself say, even if it has the, the exact same image and text printed on it as a bumper sticker or a yard sign? What does the flag as an abstract thing say? It is a deep the embedded trained response joel i mean it i think it's a brilliant question and my answer won't be adequate but it uh but it's something i have thought about um, a lot because of my work as a teacher in high school before i was teaching in college and and the the necessity of 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 the perceived necessity of ideologically training people from very young to pledge allegiance to a flag, um, that's embedded. There, that, that too is, is problematic because of fact, if you look at the history of the Pledge of Allegiance, it has changed remarkably. Most people don't even know that. They think it's been around since the revolution. Nope. Right. <laughs> We're talking about a century-ish. It's gone through enormous changes. Uh, so even a pledge changes. But I think that the, just to get back to your question, the resonance of it is that fluttering piece of nylon cloth, whatever it has been, that animated motion uh, that that's supposed to be something that represents all. Mm. And clearly doesn't when you put a, f- a name on it. And right. whether whether that's uh, you know I'm not being relativistic about that, but I have not seen Biden flags where one side is the American flag and the other side is Biden. I have seen those with Trump, mm. which means you are associating as a product, as a brand, that flag is owned by people like this, and if they you don't adhere to those values, then you're not part of this. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. And as I'm thinking about it now, I think that it it probably it's it's a pre-American concept because oh yeah, flags. If you go back to the to the Middle Ages and probably before, people would fly flags over castles and things. Of course. Yeah. Those banners, those colors, have always been representative of um, ownership. Um, values, all of these different things. An implied sharing of values. And so my prediction would be um, with the currently polarized nature of the political spectrum, yeah. you see more flags. I bet there, I bet you there's an inverse relationship between flag advertisements and um, civic unity. Hmm. I bet you if hmm. civic unity goes <laughs> up, you see less flags Interesting, and yeah. if you see more flags it's probably the, the yeah. other way around yeah. But yeah so now now yeah we'll talk about the hijacking That's of symbolism good, good a little question. bit so <laughs> like you said um you know we've seen a lot of flags but i think and, and that's not that's not new um no we've always seen the american flag used in politics um as a piece and i think that it has a large um it's largely impacted by what you said before we've it's been ingrained in us to, um, you know, pledge allegiance to the flag and politicians use it. And the message behind it, you know, I guess in the past, you could debate it a little bit, but it's probably a message of, of unity. They fly the flags behind them to let people know that they're working for America. They're doing something in the best interest of, a, of America. It's yeah. kind of a, it's yeah. sort of a unifying thing. And this time around, like you're saying, it's a little bit different. Um, not just, and it's not even just a, the official usage of it by the politicians no 
but the informal usage of it by supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I never in my life before the past, probably not even four years, probably maybe two or three years, I would have never seen an American flag flying directly above a Confederate flag. Yeah. Or it's in the very back of a very problem. Or I've even seen flags now that have that are half American flag, half Confederate flag, mm-hmm. or, or these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And um you never would have seen that in the past. And it's it's a hijacking of a symbol. It is. Um and it's and it's un, it, it, what remains to be seen is how normalized it has actually become. Mm. Because we're too we're too early in this in this process from a sociological view, from a you know, psychological view. Right now we're viewing this as aberrant. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see if we that, and we you and I will probably view it as aberrant as long as we're on the planet. But I but but does it become just a socially part of things? Yeah, yeah because I and and you know especially in the area that we live, um, I feel like Confederate flags have always been around. Um. But I think that the message you send, if you're flying, if you're flying the Confederate flag by itself, mm-hmm. versus flying the Confederate flag with the American flag, versus flying a flag that's half American <laughs> and half Confederate, I think all of those things are sending different messages. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just I'm laughing because, I, and we know that the Confederate flag is not, as, as we recognize, is not the the original Confederate. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. But I'm, but I'm. Here's where the lack of thought is happening, to to me, and and people will hear this and say, "Who's an elitist?" Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the fact of 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 let's pursue our intellect, let's pursue our logic and our rationality. Let's think about what we're doing with symbols. If if you're if you're flying a Confederate flag and you're flying an American flag, you're saying, "I believe in traitorous acts." Uh, as much as, or more than, I believe in unity. I believe in celebrating disunity. Oh, but then there's this unity there next to it. So I'm really being, uh, in the one sense, a kind of political bipolar uh, positioning. Yeah, really. Um, if you're somebody who can fly them both together, or one that's half half one and half the other. Um, your conception of what the American flag stands for has to be something very different from what I think it represents or, or what we've been told it represents. Yeah, what, we, yeah, what we've been told it represents. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Because, you know, there was a point in time when these two flags fought against each other, right? Yeah. And so yeah. how how do you reconcile the two things that way? Um you know, it's it's, it's it doesn't it, it's hard to um comprehend it, it um, is so let's we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up in a little bit of a lighter direction right okay, let's look yeah. at um <laughs> let's ask what what is your do you do people have brands well <laughs> we're told we're supposed to now and that's really the absurdest science fictional thing that's going on right mm. uh, i mean we're in a situation where really uh, people are going to need to start copywriting their dna even my DNA as a brand? <laughs> well, I suppose it is because my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, somehow that melange of code is, is in me. Um, but yeah, we're supposed to be independent contractors. What's your brand? What's my brand? I'm an actor trying to find work or <laughs> I'm a teacher trying to figure out how I'm going to be tutoring people or whatever. My brand? Am I supposed to distinguish myself from every other single practitioner within my same field? Um, that's atomistic and on cake and, and well nigh chaotic. So right. it's so, <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if what they're asking, you know, they're they're just using branding um almost as a summative term to refer to um previously what somebody would have said. What are your values? What are your beliefs? What are mm-hmm. your, you know, what are you, you know? So it's almost just as if it's an expansion of the term and it's a summative sort of thing. If somebody asks you what your brand is. It's just, what are you, you know, what are you about <laughs> yeah. without, without yeah. asking the, those other questions that have, um, I guess, deeper implications of, you know, branding. Um, Sidesteps the deeper conversation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
but with with that <laughs> with that said, what what do you think your what do you think your brand is? If you if you give me um, give me an adjective and a noun. What's your what would be the what would be the slogan for your brand? An adjective and a noun. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, my brand? Yeah, your brand. <laughs> Thanks for flinging that one at me, man. <laughs> um, the one question he isn't ready for. Um, um, energetic? To the point of fierce, but that's too many words. But energetic. Um, noun. Noun. Or you can Scholar. use, use good as Scholar. Energetic scholar. I like it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you for pushing me on that. Now your turn. My turn. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard. And you know, we've talked about it a little bit, almost not disparagingly, um, but, you know, as a as a surface phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But really, this is the kind of thing. There's an art to it, right? Yes, because um, developing a visual trademark or a jingle or these things... Yes, they're simplistic, but like we said, you're you're distilling down complex feelings and thoughts into something that you're trying to send a message that represents it all. And there's definitely an art form to it. Um, and off the cuff, it's it, that's pretty hard. I'd say um, interdisciplinary explorer. Ah, That's what I'd like. I like that too. I can almost see a a, a, a Starfleet image. Yeah, yeah, that's what I I want. I'm thinking like 50s rocket ship and the whole works, you know. Because, you know, and and that's hard, you know, and, and I'm sure that if I thought about it more, it would change over time, right? Because, you know, you, you come up with things that are more important to you. But really, when I think about what are the things that are important, you know, to me, and I think about how I've lived my life, you know, okay, I've, I'm always trying to do new and different things mm-hmm. and, um, you know, crossing, crossing boundaries and, uh, you know, the pursuit of, of new, new kind of, of things. So that would be it, I guess. Um, my brand's the United Federation of Planets. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you think our podcast has a brand? Uh, well, I think, I think it, I think it's, um, it, I hope that it has a set of characteristics. <laughs> uh, I think it certainly has uh, an ethical uh, directive. I'm, I'm thinking about the larger definition of, of brand. We have a theme song yeah. by you. Um, we have a, we have an image. Um, so I guess technically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about updating the not the image itself, but as coincidentally, um, the font because um, I ah. like the image. The image is um, mm-hmm. a picture that I took through a kaleidoscope. Yeah, and so it has again. It's a very uh, complex, almost indecipherable um, picture, and you it makes you wonder. What am I looking at? And it draws your eye all over. And that really encapsulates the podcast. It right? does. It draws so far. And, and also, the kaleidoscope, while it's a static image, implies a, an interpretation of light, a constant um, shifting of patterns in light um, that is coming through that device. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What's wrong with the font? Um, <laughs> I'm, I just don't like it, I guess. Okay. I didn't know <laughs> this. Fonts, it? you know, trying to trying to establish what, why fonts are important. Um, I, one of the big things is, you know, if you're looking at it on a mobile device, um, it's hard to read. Okay. That's so, a, it's a totally legitimate concern. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we need some bigger letters. Um, I think that the, the letters themselves need to be uh, a little bit the spacing or the, uh, you know, the thickness of the, of the letters need to be a little bit enhanced. Well, now I'm going to dive in and start messing around with this. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I, I'm glad you told me. <laughs> so, yeah. so the image, I think I did a good job with, um, the theme song is pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the theme song talks about having questions. Um, the music utilizes some, um, atypical in Western vernacular, um, 
uh, harmonic and melodic motifs. So I think that the, the the theme song and the image are good. I think the font just needs to change. <laughs> so all of which goes to say that a lot of thought has gone into this. Right. And, you know, we're, we're by no means, you know, the Joe Rogan show or something, but we have <laughs> we have a decent amount of, of listeners without doing any sort of advertising or marketing. So um, whether or not that's the branding or the content, the fact is that pe- so there are people out there that like that buy into it, right? So. Uh, that's, 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 <laughs> I, I okay. So you've you've made an opening. This I, I've meant to say this many times, and I don't think I have. Um, it's very humbling to have anybody listening, <laughs> um, and, and especially with with not doing the traditional capitalistic route. Um, and so, to those of you who have listened to any of our things, uh, thank you. I, uh, I think that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a good way to end. Yeah, you know, well, um, we we talked about our brand a little bit, and uh, you know, it'll continue into the future. You know, there'll be some things that are static and some things that are fluid. Right? We're mm-hmm. not gonna we're not gonna sell out to advertisers. We're not gonna do anything like that. You know, it's always it's always gonna be about the content. Mm-hmm. But the content, much like the image in a kaleidoscope, is always going to be shifting and fluid, and it's going to cause you to look in different ways and connect different mm-hmm. different things to try to make sense and meaning out of what it is that you're examining. So, um, and we'll, we'll talk about it in the future, um, I'm sure as well. So, yeah. until next time, keep pondering.